listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson, episode 75. Hey there, you're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast. My name is Angela Henderson, and on this show, we talk about improving your business, life, or both by having amazing and rich conversations with brilliant guests who will inspire you and who will give you tips and tricks to help you grow both in life and in business. Well, hey there, and welcome back to another awesome episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. I am your host, Angela, from Angela Henderson Consulting, where I am a business consultant helping women in business go from stuck, overwhelmed, and working in their business to gaining clarity, strategies, and systems in order to allow them to grow five, six, and seven-figure businesses. Now, today's topic marketing to mothers just might surprise a few of you and more importantly get you thinking about how you might be missing out on a big chunk of customers within your business i mean did you know that if moms were an industry they would be the biggest contributor to the gdp global data insights 2011 quoted that did you also know that moms are responsible for 132 billion dollars in spending in australia every single year And did you know that 6.2 million moms in Australia that we currently have, and of those 140,000 women become moms each and every year. These stats people are staggering, staggering, and staggering. So for most of you listening, there will be mothers that buy directly from you or are indirectly influencing other people in their communities to buy or not buy from you. And you're not going to want to miss this amazing episode where I will be speaking with Katrina McCarter about what are some of the big mistakes that she sees business owners making when marketing to moms? What are the key trends business owners and brands should be aware of when marketing to moms? And she's also going to talk a little bit about what are the five things a business owner can do immediately right now to improve their performance and attract more mothers to their business. And let's just say there's so much more goodness in this episode that I won't even get into it right now. But before we jump into this episode, I just want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by my new on-demand business masterclass, the ultimate four-step framework for creating a sustainable and profitable business. And in my 60-minute jam-packed masterclass, you will learn my signature four-step framework for creating a sustainable and profitable business without sacrificing time with your kids, without the overwhelm, or without wasting any more cash. I also talk about the four big business mistakes that everyone in business makes and why they're keeping you from growing a sustainable and profitable business. Now, to sign up for my on-demand masterclass, you can simply head to bit.ly, B-I-T full stop L-Y backslash masterclass with Angela Henderson. Again, that link is bit, B-I-T full stop L-Y backslash masterclass with Angela Henderson. And I'll also have that link in the show notes. All right, let's get started in this amazing episode about marketing to mothers. Welcome to the show, Katrina. Thank you very much, Angela. I've been excited to come on your show. Gosh, well, I'm excited to have you here. I was trying to think before, as I do pretty much with any podcaster, I uh, guess that I bring on, like, where did we initially meet? And it's been, I couldn't think I remember. It, I mean, where it exactly was, but it has been ages that you and I have been in this, uh, you know, this realm together. Yeah, listen, I think it was actually five years ago. We had been speaking online for a while, but I think it was at a um, pregnancy baby um, uh, and toddler expo over in Perth about five years ago that we actually met face to face. 
Actually, I think you might be right because it was the first time I had done the Pregnancy and Baby Expo in Perth. Typically, I stay more on the East Coast side of Australia. For those listening, Perth is a city here in Australia. So for the case of those who don't understand geographically what Katrina and I are talking about. So it's probably Pregnancy Baby Expo. And then we hung out again at Elise's conference a few years ago at What's On For. Um, I think you were doing an adventure with your daughter down to the Gold Coast after that. And yes, but again, we've always continued to maintain contact. We've got mutual friends in a variety of different pockets of our businesses. So now super excited to have you on board today, Katrina. Thank you. So now I always ask a fun question to uh, the guests because I think it's important that the audience gets to know you a little bit more than what you do just for business. Um, And it's a great way to start developing, you know, those relationships through the podcast. So my first question to you is, uh, I love flowers. All right. And so I'm curious to know what is your all time go to favorite flower that you would have in your house every single day if you could? Oh, that is such a good question. I can tell you what I won't have. Okay, tell me what I have, yep. I'm not a rose girl. So for me, it's not never roses. Um, But I do, um, I kind of change with the seasons. I've always loved lilies. So lilies have been been a really, really big one. But I've actually, I'm now living um, in one of the outer suburbs of Melbourne in Australia and I'm really close to kangaroos. I've got a big bush backyard. So I'm actually really now getting into natives. So I really love some of the proteas and things like that. So some Australian native flowers. Oh, that's great. And how long have you been located in your new area? Uh, about 18 months now. I've always been part of the hustle and the bustle, Angela. I love the inner city, but we've moved out for, I've got three teenagers. So we wanted to move out and have a little bit more space. So we're on a nice big block and I'm really enjoying a slower pace of life. I could only imagine that just by changing your environment, naturally everything else would start to change. So even though as much as you love the hustle and the bustle, every single day, I'm assuming you'd slow down a little bit. Would you agree with that? Or how has that transformation happened for you? Uh, I've I've done it slowly, so I still love the hustle and bustle. So you'll often find me in coffee shops um, <laughs> back in the inner city. But um, I really love the I love getting away, and I love going. We've got these beautiful wetlands, and there are kangaroos about five hundred meters from home. So I love going for a walk out um, and amongst uh, uh, amongst all the wildlife and fauna um, down down in my local in my local area. So that's really nice to slow down. It sounds superb. And I I do think there's something to be said about being able to slow down, connect with nature, get outside. I mean, there's enormous benefits, but yet so many people don't do it. So well done for that. Thank you. Now, I also like now that we know a little bit about you're into the native flowers, you've moved a little bit out of the hustle and bustle. (laughs) Tell us a little bit more about the history of, you know, business. I know, but the listeners don't. So tell us a little bit about where you were and where you're currently at. Sure. So I started life. I was I was one of those corporate women. I was uh, I worked in the FMCG area, which is the grocery industry, and used to run big sales teams for uh, some well known brands. And I used to also uh, run the accounts, so some of the major supermarket accounts for for some big brands. And then I had kids, and um, I took a career break. It was really important for me to spend that first kind of five years with my kids. That was something that I, I wanted to do, and we wrote relocated from Melbourne to Perth which is the other side of Australia and that's originally where I'm from and it's a lot quieter over there and when I was when I was ready to go back to work there was there was no actual uh, grocery industry over there so it was really a process that I needed to reinvent myself and I always had this burning ambition that I wanted to run my own business that was something that was really really important at that point I was 39 
I had growing financial commitments with mortgages, etc. Um, but I decided it was now or never. So I, I spotted a gap in the market and launched an online shopping website for mums. And I grew that business um, until it was a community of 150,000 mums and then I sold that business in 2016. But it was whilst I had that business that I really got great insights into mothers and I saw this growing dissatisfaction with the way they were being communicated with brands. And at the same time, I was noticing that brands were really struggling to uh, work out how to effectively communicate with mothers and to convert them to a sale. And that, for me, was another gap in the market. So in 2015, I launched my current business, which is called Marketing to Mums, and that's a marketing and research consultancy where I specialise in helping uh, businesses and brands sell more effectively to mums. And I kind of work with businesses of all levels from startups right through to big corporates and have a look um, at how they're currently marketing, where their gaps are, where their opportunities are, and really um, help drive a competitive advantage for each business. That sounds great. And what a journey you've had to go through. Do you know what I mean? Like you said, it's kind of that corporate area there going into, again, creating your own job, really. Um, and now coming out doing, you know, some of that consulting stuff, both with, like you said, small business owners, corporate business owners, etc. But why, I know you've touched upon it a little bit, but I'd like to know a little bit more about why does your business focus only on mothers? So yeah. is it, is, can you kind of go a little bit more in depth with that for us? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, look, mothers are responsible for 80% of consumer spending. They're shopping for multiple generations. So I consider them the chief shopper in the household and everyone wants a bit of mum's attention and she's inundated with sales messages that she's getting, trying to get her attention. But getting mum's attention can actually be quite difficult. She's often fairly distracted. Um, and um, I really help brands cut through, I guess, a lot of that noise and to create meaningful relationships with mums. Having said that, Angela, where what we're seeing with younger families is that they're adopting a more egalitarian approach to parenting. So I'm now finding that I'm starting to advise brands on the growing role of dads and also the growing role of kids and grandmas as well. Gosh, that's super interesting. And why do you think the change has happened? Oh, look, I just think that increasingly we've got women uh, returning to the workforce in in uh, in record numbers. Um, we're seeing that pair, um, that uh, men and women are entering biz, uh, Sorry, are entering parenthood on equal terms for the first time. So we're really seeing dads stepping stepping it up. Um, in terms of domestic responsibilities Um, and where I really see that we've still got an issue is that a lot of corporations aren't encouraging dads to take that parental leave and that time off and what we see is whilst they're coming in on equal terms if mum's taking all the time off and dad's not taking time off as well things start to start to become unequal again so it's really we, we really require a corporate change to happen that really embraces and encourages dad to take that parental leave if they've got it available in their organization that's when we'll start to see greater societal change yeah no and I I couldn't agree more I think again you know my husband plays a 
magnificent role, you know, and I wouldn't be where I am at without him. Um, and I'm very grateful for that. But like you said, not everyone has that same, do you know what I mean, potential, like we don't know what the demands are for different families, what their husband's role are. Like I was speaking with this beautiful lady just before her partners fly and fly out. Right. Um, but I think for those people, like I know, um, a brother like figure, he just had a beautiful baby girl named Lottie on the, over the weekend. And one of those things I know that again, he does get some parental leave. So he's very excited to take it, but um, and he will take it, but not again, sometimes it can be offered, but again, it's not necessarily, uh, the male may not take it also, you know? Mm. Um, so I guess I think, you know, culturally we've got change still to create both in, inside of our own families, in society, but also from that corporate structure. Now, many of my listeners out there might be thinking, I don't market to moms, Katrina. This, this podcast might not be relevant to me. What would you say to those listeners out there? I love this question. Okay, uh, this this is how I'd respond. I'd say here in Australia, we've got 6.2 million mothers. Um, every year, another 140,000 women are becoming mothers for the first time. And collectively, these women are spending $132 billion every year. So to actually put that into some perspective for you, if mums were an industry, they'd actually be our largest contributor to GDP in this country. So they're incredibly financially powerful. But this is something that I'd really say that I that, that I think might resonate with, with some of your listeners, is that mums are also incredibly influential. Research shows us that when a woman becomes a mother, she is eight times more likely to talk about brands than previously eight times. So even if you are not selling directly to mothers, she is influencing your purchasing because she's got an opinion about brands and industries and segments. um, And she's sharing that far and wide. Um, So I do think that mums can have a strong influence in many different industries and segments, even if they're not making that purchase. And I like the data because I'm a very much a driven, I'm driven by data. So the fact that you're able to give those listeners those statistics that if you're not listening and or if you were sitting on the fence going, eh, I don't really market to mums. I think the data that Katrina's just given us is quite substantial. Not to yeah. mention it substantiates the fact that you do have indirectly, even if not directly, those moms who are potentially, you know, leading to your your overall success or not success. I know just, you know, an example I can use is the other day I had this lady who sent me a message and was like, oh, I want to buy your last ticket for your women in business retreat. And I was like, okay, not a problem. And I said, oh, just out of curiosity, because there's someone who I had no total cold client, didn't know who this lady was from. I was like, can I ask who referred you? She's like, a friend of mine referred me uh, to you. She doesn't have a business, but she's seen you along the traps per se, right? And again, though I know it's not a direct relation to the marketing to moms, is, is that people are always still talking about your brand and your business to other people at all the times. And if that market happens to be, which Katrina's just said, so much of that is moms, then you need to be mindful about how you're marketing, which I guess kind of leads me to my next question question, Katrina, is so I guess you could even say one of the mistakes that listeners could be making is that they're thinking they're not marketing to moms. But what are some of the other big mistakes you see business owners making when marketing to moms then? Yeah, look, um, I've been consulting to an array of brands across really diverse industries from pool chemicals through to optometry and healthcare and automotive since probably 2015. And I consistently see the same three mistakes being made over and over again. The first one that I see is that businesses are targeting too broadly and that they tr- they're treating mums like they're all the same. Now, where I'm seeing real results is when an organisation niches. 
Um, I, um, just like Angela said earlier, I'm very much a data-driven marketer. Um, and I will do a lot of research when I start work with a new client to clearly identify who their most profitable segment of the mum market is and then build a strategy directly around that segment. Now, I know a lot of um, a, a lot of people are concerned, well, you know, if I narrow down my audience to, to this small segment, aren't I just missing off a whole lot of people that I could be reaching? And I'd say what we what I see, is that when a business niches, they connect more deeply um, and they convert more strongly. So they tend to increase their sales quite significantly. So the first mistake is just reconfirming is that they target too broadly. The second thing that I see is that they just don't understand mums deeply enough. And as a result, they're missing out on some amazing opportunities, which could be new products or services that uh, that mums want. You need to invest in regular research. I would be saying at least every three years. Um, I think it's one of the most important foundations in a, in a business. Um, I see plenty of businesses waste a hell of a lot of marketing investment because they really don't know who they're targeting and they don't understand their mothers deeply enough. And the third issue, Angela, that I see all the time is a real credibility problem. A lot of brands have got credibility issues mm-hmm. and that and that's really just a result of the fact that they're targeting too broadly and they don't understand their mums deeply enough. Mum's discounting them. She's saying, you don't understand me. I'm not going to waste my time. And we see this characterised by really poor relationships, a lack of loyalty, and with it, the real threat of declining sales. So that's kind of my perspective of the big mistakes. We've actually done research from mum's perspective to find out what she thinks the mistakes are that brands make. She identified nine. I'd just love to reel off a couple of them to you. Yeah, absolutely, because I couldn't agree more in regards to, well, let's talk a little bit about the niching side of things. And I think we did an episode on this on episode 62 for those that are interested and it was called to niche or not to niche. And, you know, there it's like so important. Like if you were right now having a heart attack on the ground, you're not going to go, you're not going to call up your general, you know, doctor and be like, Oh, who normally typically, you know, prescribes you medication for your ears, your throat, maybe do some blood tests. You're calling up the damn cardiologist. Who's a specialist to go help me now. Like something's severely wrong. You know, if you want to live, that's what you're doing. And I know that's a bit drastic, but that's the reality. And I think niching is crucial. I could not agree with you more Katrina around um, having the the ability to really know who you're speaking to. Cause when you're to niche, you become known as that specialist. When you're able to niche, everything else is formulated so easily. Your content marketing is so much easier. Um, your copy for your Facebook ads, your funnels, your lead magnets, everything else becomes so cohesive what that you your, your market just knows exactly do you know what I mean? who you are, what you stand for, and how you can help them. Absolutely. There's, there's really strong clarity. And I see with that brings incredible sales results. I've seen some amazing uh, lifts in, uh, in sales with, with clients that have really honed in on, on their niche. But from mum's perspective, she's got some different ideas in terms of what brands are doing wrong. Um, and her key one, her number one thing is stereotyping. This is a major issue for her. She's saying the family structure has changed dramatically, but yet we're still being served up these images of 1950s housewives. Um, and they're really, really pushing back against it. She's wanting to see life depicted more realistically. 
Her second big beef is she says that um, brands are failing to build a relationship with her first. They're just jumping into a sale. They haven't got to know her. Um, They haven't earned her respect that she demands. Um, And they haven't had the opportunity to get to know them. She's looking for a values alignment. So she really says that brands just aren't aren't taking the time to, to build the relationship first. One of the things that they were really vocal about is that they feel like they're being treated like they're stupid that once they become a mother that they lose their brain and they're really angry about this. Um, They want to hear, if you've got a technical product or service, they want to hear that technical information. It's important to them. They can digest it. Um, And uh, don't skip over or dumb your message down. And I guess one of the other ones that she pointed out was actually offering no value. I see many businesses play it out on a price game. And I just see uh, that this really, really makes life very, very difficult. I'm a big believer in clearly understanding what your key points of difference are and really amplifying those because the more that you can amplify those differences, the less that it's a price game. And mums value so many other things besides price when they're evaluating a business. So they're kind of some of the ones um, from from mum's perspective in terms of mistakes being made. And then was that from the research that you had done in, that you had undertaken with the mums? This this uh, I guess the information has been pulled from because I know you took an enormous amount of research. Um, you interviewed hundreds of women around this, so it's great to know that again. This isn't just something that Katrina's just made up. Like she spent copious amount of hours and time surveying mothers and finding out what they liked, what they didn't like, what ticked, what ticked them off. You know, and so it's really important that when you listen to this episode, you start formulating and thinking, "Oh, am I doing that?" And an example too is we uh, this client came to me and she was talking about her Facebook ads and she's like, my Facebook ads just aren't working and I don't know why. And typically it's the copy where we go wrong with that. So I said, let me read your copy. And it's actually your copies, you know, your copywriters done a brilliant job on this. You've hit on the pain points. You've actually shown value, uh, which is one of the things that the moms are saying that we don't. So in this instance, this particular business had done that, but what she hadn't done was the images she was using. So her ideal ma- our ideal client was a 38-year-old, I believe off the top of my head, mother of two small kids, disposable incomes, et cetera, et cetera. But the images they were using, Katrina, was that of like a literally 23-year-old. Yeah. Oh, so wow. It was like just, you know, you're talking about moms who, like you said, not all moms don't dress up and do whatever, but, you know, they're tired, right? Uh, we don't necessarily have time to do our hair the way we used to or fit in these beautiful clothes with the way we used to. Now, again, this is a generalization so there might be moms that can still do this. My hat goes off to you. But what in this image though, was of a girl at the beach in this beautiful bikini and again, looked beautiful, but it wasn't relaying the message, do you know what I mean, or hitting that target market. So yeah. it, there was a disconnect. We changed the images. Facebook ads went through the roof, you know, and the, the arrest was history. So again, it is super important to be mindful um, about all these components when marketing. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you touch on a really interesting point there, Angela. Um, We undertake about three research studies a year. Yes, again, I'm very, very much data-driven. And what we've found is that Australian mothers are not aspirational um, as on on the whole. And so I'm not at all surprised uh, to hear that that a highly aspirational shot of a a young woman in a bikini did not resonate with the actual audience. You did exactly like it. It may have for everything else but what they were trying to sell and their message that was all well it was just that little image we just needed to change the image to reflect those moms and we were good to go now what are the key trends business owners and brands should be aware of currently 
Sure. Look, um, there's a lot. I'm actually probably going to cover off uh, about four or five with you. Sure. um, Because mums are actually changing quite rapidly and we're seeing this in between our research projects. So we did a really big study back in 2016 of more than 1,800 Mm -hmm. mums. We have more recently done a follow-up to that um, and that was more of a smaller sample that was more millennial mothers. Um, That was about 700 mums but what we saw in that study was some significant shifts in attitudes and behaviors and one of the things we've seen is the emergence of what I call tech first mothers now I've written about this group quite extensively in my new book that's just been released uh, called the mother of all opportunities but a tech first mother is largely a millennial mother and she's looking for a tech first solution to her problem So I will give you an example of that, Angela, would be has um, some of your listeners might be familiar with the Peanut app. This was an app that was built by a woman by the name of Michelle Kennedy in the UK, and she's used dating technology to apply for a, uh, um, to apply that to a mum's um, meeting each other um, app. So basically it's an introductory service for you to connect with other like-minded mums in your area and it's to overcome the feeling of isolation um, when you become a new mother. And that is a great example of a tech-first solution to, to, to one of mum's problems. Um, we're seeing a lot more of these kind of things coming out um, parent TV, uh, video on demand on parenting, uh, parenting from parenting experts would be another example. So that's one thing that millennial mothers are very fast adopters of new technology. We're seeing massive uptake of the smart speakers, um, and that's really changing the way mums are discovering brands. So voice search is going to be incredibly important in the future over the coming decade. One of the other trends I'd like to say is the increasing role of grandma. Okay, so grandma is increasingly being called on to do some of the childcare in families where both parents have gone back to work. Childcare is hard to secure. It's expensive. People are increasingly asking their own parents to care for for their children and that's increasingly falling on grandma's shoulders. Now, grandma's starting to get pretty physically exhausted but what we're also finding is that grandma's now starting to get involved in some everyday purchasing within the household. So it's really complicating the path to purchase. So grandma's becoming an increasing stakeholder and I'm always telling my clients they need to start preparing their grandma strategy over the coming decade because her influence is only going to increase. Um, One of the other trends we've seen is just the power of testimonials. In both our 2016 and our 2019 research, testimonials are the number one reason mum buys. They're actually more influential than a mum-to-mum recommendation. Mum does not need to know who's written the testimonial. She just needs to know that they're someone just like them. And uh, to give you an example of just how well testimonials can perform, in 2016, after I launched my first book, someone wrote a, uh, a review in a closed Facebook group for mums in business. Now, within 48 hours, my book went number one on Booktopia's business bestseller list in Australia, where it remained on and off and in the top 10 for the next four weeks. So I can definitely tell you that testimonials are highly, highly influential. 
I do yeah. like the the one about grandma, do you know what I mean? Because I think again, not only do we need to prepare for the tech first mums, but in some ways we got to you know, you could say tech first for grandmas, right? Because but it might not necessarily be the tech side of things. It's just that overall grandma strategy that needs to happen. Because again, if they're going to be the ones potentially that are doing the grocery shopping, because uh, that's part of their day-to-day you know, responsibilities, or if they're the ones that need to take, I don't know, Johnny to Bel- or Johnny or Susie to ballet or to wherever, they're going to be the ones going back going, oh, you should buy this. You're going to need this in order for ballet performance. You, you should do this. Like, And the moms are just going to take their word because again, they don't have the headspace to really sit there and go, should I, shouldn't I? Grandma, mom said it's good. I'll just buy it. So I really like that you've uh, brought that to the attention of people about having that grandma strategy because I think it's going to be imperative for businesses growth, you know, if not now, but in the recent future. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess two two other trends that I'd really like to highlight is we're seeing a real rise in conscious purchasing. We're seeing that families are starting and mothers are really starting to embrace sustainability as well as this move towards minimalism that was really kicked off with the Marie Kondo book, The Art of Tidying Up. And um, as a result of this, what we're seeing is it's not uncommon for women to take a full year of not buying a new piece of clothing because they want to reuse what they've got, they want to reinvent what they've got or they want to rent or they want to borrow because they just don't want to consume so much. So that's important. They're going for quality over quantity. And the other thing that we're seeing that that, that I guess presents a real obstacle for a lot of business owners and marketers is the rise of Netflix. The video streaming has meant that it's really hard to reach mum with ads, with advertising. So um, what we're seeing is, is businesses are starting to rely on more digital methods to reach her. And I think, again, that the Netflix scenario is super important in that, you know, I was speaking uh, at someone at Digital Marketer Down Under this past weekend. uh, And one of the things that we're talking about is so many people are so obsessed about their sales funnels uh, and Facebook sales funnels in particular. And I, I too agree, we've been doing some Facebook ads ourselves. And so, you know, a lot of my clients and what we're finding is this Facebook isn't doing what it used to do five, even two years ago. All right. And so many people are so obsessed about this funnel, this Facebook ads funnel, that they're forgetting about so many other funnels that equally are important. So again, what, what is your opt-in funnel? What is your potential... Uh, you know, your Facebook group funnel, what is like all the, all these different funnels. So I think it's super important that, you know, not only that you've brought this up from that point of view, but just in general, that ads aren't working the way they used to. So what are businesses collectively doing to make sure um, that again, they've got the long-term game. So do you have SEO in place? Mm. Um, what are the, what are those other funnels? And I know we, we could do a whole nother episode just on funnels, but it is important to realize that you shouldn't be putting all of your eggs into the Facebook ads funnel because things have started to change quite drastically on that for sure. Yeah. And I'm seeing that through my market research. So I do a lot of projects where I'm identifying the most profitable segment of the mum market for, for a different brand. And um, we're seeing uh, how people are finding out about those businesses that change, is, is actually changing. And I'm seeing the real rise also in Google Ads. So we're, we're seeing that really growing in popularity and effectiveness um, over the past 12 months. And it's funny you say that because we're about to double down on face, uh, Google Ads. Uh, yeah. We're 
We're actually doing some split testing. So we've just done, well, this is our third month going in at time of recording with Facebook ads. And we're going to then look at that data and we're then going to pretty much shut down all the Facebook ads other than keep a few little things running. And then we're double down on Google ads. And we actually then want to look at both of that data and cross compare because even though your cost per lead on Google ads might be slightly more, the fact is, is that those people are searching with intent to buy when they go to Google. They've got a problem. They want it to be solved. And the, and the scenario I've used many times here on the podcast is that when my brother passed away last year on Mother's Day unexpectedly, uh, it wasn't a matter... I didn't go to Facebook trying to book my plane ticket to get back for his funeral and get back to my family. My credit card was out. I had a problem. My problem was I needed a plane ticket. I needed it reasonably cheap and I needed to get there fastest way I could. And so we know with Google, you've got a 30, you convert better on Google by typically a standard is about 30% better. And so again, if you don't look at those Google ads as potentially a strategy, it could be hurting your overall business because like you said, you might pay a little bit more in lead, but your conversion and the lag time is going to be much less than having to warm someone who's been watching in their underwear, watching Netflix and just happen to scroll through you know, one of your ads and click on it. So, you know, it is, I think it's super important being able to cross test those two, two platforms. Yeah, and I agree. Every business is different. So testing is so important. But over the last 12 months across an array of businesses, I've seen some really good uptake on Google Ads. So it's certainly something that has got my attention. You know, 100%. So yeah, that's great to hear because my Google ad specialist will also be because we're having this debate with the Facebook gurus out there at the moment. Where, so we're collecting all the data we can to put forward, do you know what I mean? Our, uh, our, our end results are very cool. Now listen, we hear a lot about moms also in social, in social media, I guess, together. What do business owners do you feel need to understand about Jimmy moms and social media and how can this benefit in them growing their sales? Yeah, great question. Look, I'm going to revert back to the data again. Um, Our research in 2016 and again in 2019 found that Australian mums, their number one favourite platform was Facebook. Now, it didn't matter what age they were, uh, you know, millennial mums were telling us their uh, favourite social media platform was Facebook and I know we hear that it should be Instagram. What we did see between 2016 and 2019 was the gap between Facebook and Instagram is, is narrowing. However, Facebook is still a very much a key leader in terms of mums' uh, preference on on social media. And again, that's in the millennial bracket as well. And I know that that surprises people. Uh, So that's one thing that I'd like to to put forth. Um, I would also like to say LinkedIn uh, is is a place that if you're in the B2B space is a great social uh, social media platform uh, for, for you to consider, more so in terms of thought leadership and sharing in, uh, content of value as opposed to running ads, but I'm really, really interested in LinkedIn. Although I have seen a shift in reach over the course of this year, it is uh, less restricted, sorry, it is more restricted than it has been a year ago. The one thing that I think is super um underrated here in Australia is YouTube and YouTube pre-rolls to me um, are a great opportunity for many brands to be considering. They're those, when I talk about a pre-roll, I'm talking about that short six-second ad that you have, that you often have to sit through before you see the video content that you've gone to YouTube to view. Um, But I have seen some incredibly effective um, campaigns that have run through YouTube pre-rolls. And I think that that's a really um, untapped um, opportunity, both in uh, advertising, but also in content 
Um, mums are really making use of YouTube, particularly anything that's how-to or educational. We're seeing a massive trend amongst mothers wanting to improve um, their, their, uh, their both their personal and professional development and they're turning to YouTube videos to do that. And I know at Social Media Marketing World this year in San Diego, that was the same, do you know what I mean? Same thing that Mike Stelzner talked about was the importance of YouTube. YouTube and Instagram stories were kind of like their main two things this year that they were really, really pushing in the way people consume video on Facebook versus how they consume uh, video on you know, YouTube, very different. Um, and also, again, that people are forgetting that YouTube is a search engine function also, right? Yes. So. It's important that, again, if you're going to Google, hence, again, they both are together, uh, and you're Googling things, that, and if you've got something on YouTube, that is also going to start to populate for you. Again, and I do agree with you, Katrina, what you're talking about, like those how-to videos. They're one of the most popular ways that Google gets, uh, certain topics get searched for over on YouTube through Google, and that's what's populating. So I couldn't agree more. YouTube is definitely under touch. I know there's a lot of people talk about, I'm too late on the YouTube train. Listen, if you can join, you're too late on the Facebook train. You can more than definitely join the uh, YouTube train, and you're going to be you know, quite successful over there. If Absolutely. You from a strategic point of view. Now, I know there are things that uh, business owners can do to improve their performance and attract, I guess, more mothers to their business, especially around the data that you talked about today. Are there any type of tips or tricks that you can kind of lead us uh, with with that, Katrina? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the first thing I would say is develop a strong brand story. Mums want to hear your passion for what it is that you do. They need to feel that emotional connection between uh, from your brand to them. They need to understand that your brand shares the same values that they do. So your brand story is super important and it's of no surprise to me that your About Us page is likely to be your most highly trafficked um, page besides your landing page. So develop a strong brand story and share it far and wide. Use it in your media interviews. Use it on social media, um, but, but please be using it. It's powerful and influential. The second thing that I would say is that your differences make you special. Now, this is something that I tell my kids all the time. I get so excited when someone's different because life would be so beige um, otherwise. It's, to, it's important to amplify your key differences through your marketing communications. I actually say that they should become your core content pillars that you talk about. The more that you can differentiate your brand, the less price becomes an issue in, in any kind of um, purchase decision-making process. So there are two things. The third thing I'd say is use more videos. Mum find them much easier to digest. This, uh, the fourth thing I would say is use testimonials. It's the number one reason mums buy. I don't let any of my clients send out any marketing communications without a testimonial attached to it. Mums want to see that third-party proof. They want to minimise their risk and want to ensure that they're making the right, the right decision. And the final thing that I would say is that it's so important, rather than do a sales post or a piece of sales copy, engage in story selling. And what I mean by that is sell to mum in stories. Share with her someone else's experience of working with you and tell us that story because that's going to be far more engaging and far more emotionally connecting and mum won't feel like she's being sold to. So I've seen incredible results um, when we've done tests between a straight sales post and then doing a sales, uh, a story sell. 
um, instead. And we've seen increases of up to 400 times the amount of web traffic it drove over when compared to a straight sales post. So storing story selling is super effective. And storytelling, I think uh, selling is also equally as important because again, the way Facebook and the algorithm also apply is that if you're able to use a couple of those things that you talked about is use more video and you drive them over to your website through your story and using the link in the video versus posting the link on Facebook. You know, again, you're giving Facebook what they want. They want people to stay on that community and on that platform. And so again, if you're able to incorporate what Katrina said is use more video and then draw them through that story engagement again you're you're bound for you know a profitable winner for sure yeah absolutely now our final question before we wrap up with this juicy uh conversation today is what do you know now that you wish you knew when you first started oh great question um certainly um i wish i used marketing partnerships even earlier than i did um so one of the things i've become very well known for is working collaboratively um i love uh working alongside and collaborating with other business owners so that we all grow our businesses together that gives me a great sense of satisfaction um that's something that i definitely did in my first business in fact it's something that's how I grew my first business but I would have liked to have even used it from day dot so be bold enough to go out and seek marketing partnerships from the first day of being in business then the other thing that I would say is uh don't do print media yep yeah I felt like I may as well have thrown some money outside but you know out the window as I was driving the car Yep. Print media is an interesting one. I mean, it continues to be there. People continue to get sucked into tens of thousands of dollars and there's very little ROI. So, you know, always print media or not, you know what I mean? Always ask yourself, what is the ROI by engaging in this advertising or marketing commitment? Yeah. And, uh, and it's sometimes ROI could be long-term, like, you know, I'm heading to the Maldives at time of recording for my own mastermind. And some people, I might not see the immediate return on investment, but it's the long-term investment that I'm after and I'm okay with that. Um, so sure. always ask yourself, what is that ROI? But print media, I've yet hands on heart in my almost decade of being in business, seen any level of return on investment with print media. So oh, I will say, Ange, I have, I have gone out and made that bold statement. There are some exceptions. Um, I would say the Coles and Woolworths uh, magazines, those free magazines, are doing amazing things in terms of driving um sales for brands um but all i'm saying is be super selective if you are going to uh, look at print media oh 100 but coles and woolworths those brands that are advertising within those platforms we're looking at i mean their budget is going to be so much different yes. than the average small business owner do you know what i mean that either is starting or even has been in business for a few years and actually has some dollars behind them to invest um and those that brand placement too is you know, even if you look at the, for those who are listening that aren't in Australia, Woolworths and Coles are two major supermarkets here in Australia. They also just did this campaign where they give out these like little, what would you call them? Uh, like, like it's a miniature food item, I guess you could say. So it could be a butter, but it's a little stick of butter and kids play with it in their kitchens, etc. There's anyways, there's a lot of controversy about it, but we won't get into that. But from the brand point of view is 
also those brands are not only showing up in those magazines, but they're showing up in these other, you know, little miniatures that all these hundreds of thousands of kids are now taking home to their houses. But again, their budget, Katrina, would be crazy compared it to is. Uh, it's it's very, very, very significant. As a small business owner, I think that you that there are more effective ways uh, to market your business than look at print. Totally. I agree with you 100%. Now, for those listeners out there that would like to get to know you more, uh, and I know you've got the book coming out. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, Katrina? Yeah. So the mother of all opportunities uh, was launched in October. So just launched. And that is looking at all the incredible opportunities that exist within the mum market. So I've looked at eight sub-segments of the mum market that are being highly underserved. I've also had a look at geographic locations. So for brands that are looking for growth over the next 10 years that want to perhaps look internationally, I've, I've had a look at five different locations around the world where I see some real opportunity in the mum markets there. And then I've had a look at four um, industries that I think are are not doing a good job at servicing mums and they might present some, some opportunities for people that might be considering entering business that could give you some things. And then what I've looked at is the future of marketing to mums. What I've made eight big predictions about um, where I think marketing to mums is going and things that you need to be planning for now in your business to ensure that you've got continued growth and success. Because we'll listen to Trina, thank you so much for your wonderful insight today around marketing specifically to mothers, whether or not you're here in Australia or internationally. The wisdom you've given us today will definitely get a few people's heads turning and eyes a winking, I think. Um, and before we sign off, please remember that my team and I will also be putting together the whole transcription for this episode at AngelaHenderson.com.au. And of course, I cover all sorts of related business and life topics inside my Facebook community, the Australian Business Collaborative. So feel free to join us over there. But in the meantime, have a brilliant day no matter where you are in the world and I look forward to you joining me again next week for another amazing episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. Thanks again Katrina for everything. I really appreciate that. Great to be able to speak to you and your listeners. Thank you Angela. Thanks for listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson. www.angelahenderson.com.au